Hi, welcome to Environmental Health. We're going to be talking to people about their experiences in nature and the massive impact that nature can have on our mental health. Aura, you want to tell us what our word of the day is? So the word of the day today is hirai. And maybe the best person to explain to us what that means exactly is our guest today, Joe. Um, Joe, can you explain to us the meaning of this word? Yeah, so hiraith is a word from the Welsh language, um, which doesn't really have a translation into English, but I guess the closest translation would be a longing or a yearning, um, specifically to like a home, longing for home. But to, diff you know, if you ask different people, it means slightly different things. But to me, it means a longing for home and a home that you can't quite visit right now, but it's so vividly in your memory that you feel like you're there. So it's a real strong longing for home it's a really powerful word and i don't think translating it quite does it justice but that's kind of what it means it's that longing to, to be somewhere that you're currently not so i think i've hope i've covered it and done it justice but it really is a beautiful word that many people in wales really treasure and cherish that word that's really wonderful um it's such a shame that we don't have an equivalent in the in english yeah it's quite a like i think the Welsh language in general, it's we've got a quite a connection to the landscape. And so a lot of words are built around that sort of longing for the landscape or love of nature. So it's it's a really interesting one. And then translating it never quite does it justice. But you know, obviously I'm sure there are words in English that I probably can't think of. But yeah, I obviously I relate to the Welsh language as that was what I grew up speaking. And unfortunately I've lost it a little bit, but I still speak it with close family members and friends. So this landscape, this longing that you're feeling, can you tell us about what that landscape of home is like? But I was very, very fortunate and I'll, I'll get into this in a little bit because I think I'm going to sort of talk about the different landscapes. But I was very fortunate to grow up in a coastal area, um, you know, kind of on the border between land and sea. And uh, sometimes I say home is where the land meets the sky and the sky meets the sea because it really is the place where all sort of three components of our environment come together and it's, it's really beautiful and to me it's that sort of distinct you know being on that boundary between green and blue that's home to me it's where I really feel like I belong and it's something that I, when I'm away from it I'm like oh I wish I was near the sea and it's that I think it's the sea that calls me not to sound like Moana too much from the film, but like it's the sea that kind of calls <laughs> me. And um, yeah, that's that to me is home. And it's that sort of, and I think that's where I associate family with, it's where I associate friends and it's it's everything that comes with it. But to me, when I picture home, I picture on the coastal areas. So that, that to me is home, but you know, I'm sure you two have different experiences of what home for, what home is sorry, and what it means to you. So. You know, mm. what, what would you count home as? I guess in terms of landscape, home for me is woodland. I kind of grew up around sort of, I mean, as much woodland as there is left in England, I guess. Um, but it's uh, it's farms and woodland for me. Um, I'm very, I come from the home counties um, in Hertfordshire. So, you know, we've got a couple of, got a couple of rivers, but um, yeah. I, for me, like when you when you enter like a woodland and that smell, the slight yeah. rot smell that's quite sweet and just it's cool and it's dark and it's shady and I just feel very makes me feel very safe, very at home, um, very sheltered. It's a uh, for me, yeah, woodland is and forest, but we don't really have 
have to travel to get to a forest, but woodland we have lots of. Yeah, I think for me, I mean, I spent my entire life pretty much in a city. So for me, home is those tiny spaces of green that haven't been tampered with too much. Um, and actually for me, the place that feels most at home and the place that I try to spend at least 15 minutes in every day is by my local reservoir. And we have all the Canadian geese and the little ducks and um, the sun rises there and it's utterly beautiful. And I can usually see the moon when it rises in the evening. And I like to just sit and be quiet and peaceful. And sadly, that often means I'm around litter as well. And I think that's one of the real, um, just really saddening things about being in the city is the few green spaces that I really treasure. And I'm lucky enough to live right by um, one of my part of the city's most beautiful parks. And I often go and I'll walk and I end up finding litter upon litter. But yeah, home for me is that little pocket of slightly less touched land. Yeah, I'm hearing the litter thing and, and it's, uh, I, uh, I want to say that I took up plogging, you know, the, the scandal, yeah, I did, I don't jog. Uh, so it's like plorking, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, that is a scourge, but we're not really here to talk about that today. We've been thinking a lot about restorative landscapes and kind of the power that different landscapes have to restore us. Um, which is one of the reasons why we invited Joe to come and talk to us because he's lived in so many different landscapes and environments. And um, I guess what we're wondering, Joe, just to give a you know a really big open question is, is what's it like? Um, how, how does each landscape compare in terms of how, maybe in terms of how restorative it feels, but like feel free, let your mind wander. Yeah, well, it's a big question and I can only really answer from my own personal experience so I can't make any generalizations or you know suggest any theories or you probably know a lot more about this than I do but I can only really talk from my own personal lived experience and as I mentioned I was you know very fortunate growing up living in the countryside in you know near the sea near some small woodlands and you know you or talking about the smell of woodlands like if you smell it straight away like it's a smell that mm. I know and I can't explain what it is but I know it but I don't think I realized quite how lucky I was and maybe took it slightly for granted. Even as a nature lover, I think I took it slightly for granted until I moved to London for, for university. Um, and I lived in North Acton, and which is a relatively built up area. You know, I lived on the 12th floor of a tower block. Like that to me was a whole new experience. Like it, and it felt, it took a lot of getting used to it. And I don't think I ever really got used to that. You know, the nearest green space was a, a playing field which was lovely and we used to go and play football there and play you know have fun there but it wasn't nature it still felt very the city yes i mean maybe i'm picking up on something in there it's like the difference between nature feeling so unbelievably vast to feeling so unbelievably contained yeah. and controlled and like wales has you know where i live it's very agriculture so i can't really even say that it's natural our landscape but it you know it still feels more expansive and where you know when i look from uh, wales you see like it's settlements built into nature like they're it's green with small settlements whereas when you when i went to london and i think living on the the 
that floor, it gave me perspective because then you realize that in cities, nature is very like, it's a little compartment. It's like, it's not like, it's not nature, but it, it could be, you know, I think green spaces do have a lot of power. It's just, you know, maybe this is something, a different question, but maybe they need to be managed slightly differently. And maybe that would provide them a lot better opportunities to be involved in people's well-being. Yeah, I guess, and something comes, so I don't know who's, I haven't been to St Pancras Station in ages, but if you walk out and you look at, you know, all the all the, the buildings around it, I remember this really clearly because I walked out and I realised there was a green space, but it was like fenced in with two yeah. metre high, like everything. And it was it was so strange to see like the only alive bit of the landscape Kind of caged in and i found at the time i was like how metaphorical but also uh, quite saddened by it yeah well i think what i'm hearing from you joe and actually from you aura too is this idea of the surroundings almost mirroring the way you feel inside and this idea that when you are in the city and nature is trapped and contained and you know you're living in a huge high-rise building on the 12th floor there's maybe a sense of containment and actually when you are able to be in coastal areas or maybe just even yeah in the home counties looking over this great expanse of and this vastness not only is there a beautiful sense of awe but there's more of a sense of freedom maybe oh my english literature teacher would be so proud of me right now <laughs> drawing those connections <laughs> i was not a very good english lit student but <laughs> now um yeah i think if there's a nature equivalent of like pathetic fallacy and all that, then yeah, I think so. I think for me, it's kind of, you know, it, it did relate to how I felt and I felt very hemmed in. And maybe that is drawing a connection to how nature feels. Maybe, maybe we're looking a bit too much into it, but yeah, I think, you know, it's to me as personally, that's how it felt was, I felt very contained. I wonder, and maybe, maybe this is too personal, but I know you well enough that you'll tell me if that's the case. Um, <laughs> like, what does it feel like when you say you, you've been in the city for a while and you come back and you stand in the place where the land meets the sea and the sea meets the sky? What does that feel like? Honestly, it feels like it's relief, I think, is the word, the closest word that I can actually think of. It, it's that sort of release of like pent up sort of like, it, I always think about it when I'm in London, when I was in London, you, I could walk down the street and I'd pass like hundreds of people and wouldn't know them. And then I stand on like, you know, the coast and you don't see anybody. And it's that kind of feeling of being, not loneliness, but being alone and just sort of letting it sort of, it's very cathartic, I guess, in a way. It's like, it's that release of just like, to me, it really felt it. And I think I yeah, had taken it for granted until I realized, uh, until I moved to London, came back and then realized, you know, it, it does have a real effect on me. And I always felt a lot better. And I always used to say I was coming home to like recharge the batteries because I think in London, in cities, maybe you're constantly on the go. And it, yeah, I, I came home to just recharge and release. And I think that is the word, it's just relief for me. Yeah. And I mean, it's it's backed up by by research and science, luckily, uh, so that we we can make these kinds of statements. We know that that coastal areas are probably some of the most restorative landscapes that 
that we have and you know followed by woodland and other kind of terrestrial wild spaces finally you know manicured managed like sort of park settings being at least res restorative but you know better than nothing um so so yeah that that's um that's very interesting I think what really interests me about that as well is that parks or green spaces in London have the potential to be a bit more restorative if we let them thrive. And I'd be really interested to know more about your experience in Fulham, actually, Joe, and to hear about, because you mentioned how it was quite manicured. So to talk about maybe that as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, it was, I was very fortunate to live in relatively green areas of London um but it was still that sort of feeling that I guess it's the kind of like British love of things all things tidy you know it's that kind of everything it, oh god that grass is over three centimeters it needs to be <laughs> like mowed right now and like I think in our parks I think we do need a sort of balance obviously I think you need the manicured areas where people can go sit and people can go play football play frisbee you know what they can actually use that area but I think it would be so valuable if more parks and more a greater area of parks and some parks do already have some quite nice like nature biodiversity areas but I think it's always kind of like in a corner fe fenced off like Aura mentioned it's I think there could be a lot more done to ensure the quality of our green space whilst whilst keeping its accessibility because I know sometimes if you have like a you call it like a nature reserve people are reluctant to go to it because it kind of seems like oh it's an area for nature we leave it alone whereas a park maybe people are more willing to go so there's a lot in a name yeah well I guess that leads us very tidily uh onto our kind of our last point of conversation that we wanted to have with you which yeah. is you know at UK Youth for Nature we are all about political uh yeah. and activism so what is it that you think based on what we've been talking about today, that uh, our government, whoever they are or will be, needs to be doing more of? Well, yeah, like, I mean, firstly, because obviously we're talking about mental health, I think we need an improved sort of, I mean, first of all, we need improved acknowledgement of mental health in general. Before we even delve into nature, I think that's something that we need to address. And I think lockdown has, it's drawn attention to these topics. It's just whether now it's, I think it's a spark. It's now whether we keep that going and actually bringing some change because I think we will be feeling the effects for, for a while. When it comes to nature and mental health, I think that we need a lot greater acknowledgement of the power of nature in mental health. You know, before we even delve into funding and infrastructure, logistics, like just acknowledgement of that is a big step. You know, it's that kind of, does the NHS realize the power or is it listening to the research of, ecotherapy and green therapy you know or I'm sure and Ella you can probably talk a lot more about the sort of specifics of therapy and stuff but it's that sort of general acknowledgement is it actually being considered so my sort of asks of the government would be to take a very holistic approach when it comes to access to nature and to see it you know it, it see it as part of everything they do not just the the not just the environment ministers department environment nature all that should be coming into economy should be coming into health should be coming into social planning should be you know it we can't tackle these things in isolation and it's it, it needs a very systemic approach and 
there's a lot of issues that you know I, I can't speak about as an expert or things but there's issues that need addressing in our society as a whole and I'm not saying building parks is going to fix that but it's that sort of inequality that I think we really need to draw attention to and making sure that everyone has that access to nature and it's not just in cities you know there's people in rural areas that for different reasons can't access nature you know there's issues of land access there's issues of uh, um, standard of paths and stuff so there's there's lots of issues to tackle and i think joining sort of that together is a, is a big thing and nature can play a big role in in our country i guess without sounding too uh on my pedestal on my whatever it's called on my plinth or whatever it's uh soapbox. on my soapbox like nature can play a big role in everything that we need to do and i think until now nature has always been overlooked and in every aspect and there's stuff that we can do so apologies for my long rant from the soapbox there but that's Love sort of <laughs> once you get me started i can't stop it's you know it's there's a lot to talk about there's a lot to cover and i'm sure over the series of these podcasts we're going to delve deeper into a lot of these issues so perhaps i'm taking a very general approach but there's a lot of issues to tackle and you know it's it's a it's a big area of work but it's that doesn't mean we shouldn't do it it's um I guess, you know, just because it's difficult doesn't mean it's impossible. Yeah. And uh, and you're right, we are we're gonna talk about this a lot more in, in the future. And and I hope you can come back and join us again and uh, talk some more. I mean, I hope the listeners do <laughs> want me back. <laughs> Otherwise they may be like, please don't bring him back ever. You can't <laughs> listen to him again. <laughs> He'll start ranting again. And I mean in reference to you, the listener, you know, if there's anything that you would like to do right now, we'll link our Nature Nearby petition down below. And we have a page on our website that tells you more about it. And generally, yeah, how to support our campaign to have better access to nature. Because I think as Joe has expanded beautifully and to kind of tie it back up, you know, we know and are finding even more out about the power and the influence that nature can have over our well-being and how important it is for those communities who have really low standards of well-being right now and have been ignored and in many cases actually treated badly by the establishment so if we know that the power that nature can have we need to start thinking about yeah investing time and money into improving access and quality of natural spaces so the petition will be linked below and so will the link to the campaign page. Thank you for listening and uh, see you again whenever we put the next one out. That's nice and vague, isn't it? That'll give us, uh, that'll give us <laughs> some wiggle room. Specific. <laughs> right, thanks again, Joe, for joining us. No worries. And, uh, so interesting. Speak to you soon. Bye-bye. <laughs>